بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم امباد الحمد للہ آلریڈی اٹس دا تھرڈ بلیسڈ نائٹ آف دا منتھ آف رجب سو وی پرے ٹو آل مائٹی اللہ سبحان و تعالی دیٹ ہی بلیسز از ان آ منتھس آف رجب اینڈ شاہبان اینڈ کنوے سیفلی ٹو دا ہولی منتھ آف رمدان اینڈ الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو the 36th session so we're beginning the sixth week that we're going through the illustrious and dear life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I've spent a few sessions mentioning his deep love for the glorious deed of Salah and his grief over the masses i.e. ignorance of this glorious deed So indeed, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu, he would never let a chance slip in which to educate the masses with regards to relevant rulings of Salah. In Abu Dawood, number 3188, Ibn Imajah, number 1494, Mishkat, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah alayhi states, Sahih, in Sahih Sunnah Abu Dawood, number 2735, Nafi Abu Ghalib rahmatullah alayhi, he said, Whilst I was in Sikkatil Mirbad, i.e. the name of a subdivision in Basra, a beer passed by with a large number of people accompanying it. They informed me that it was the beer of Abdullah ibn Umar rahmatullahi. Thus I joined and followed it. So where is this? This is in Basra and a janaz has taken place. So one of the righteous predecessors, he joins the procession. I also noticed amongst them a man wearing a thin cloak riding on a mule. He had a piece of cloth on his head to protect himself from the sun. I asked who this awe-inspiring man was and they replied it was Anas ibn Malik. So again, He notices, and this shows that the Sahaba had a presence. He hadn't seen him before. He goes, who is this aged man? He goes, who's awe-inspiring. And he was on a mule, and he had a thin cloak protecting himself from the sun. So look at the humility. And he goes, this is Anas ibn Malik. When the beer was eventually put down, Sayyidina Anas thereupon stood up and led the funeral prayer for him. I was standing immediately behind him with nothing between him and I. He stood near the deceased's head and uttered four takbeers. He neither lengthened the salah nor offered it quickly. So where did this man have the opportunity? He was right behind Anas in the funeral prayer. And what did he say? He goes, he was standing near the dead person's head. So the body was there. He was near the head. He did four takbirs because it wasn't a long funeral prayer nor a short one. When he went to sit down, they said to him, O Abu Hamza, he is another beer of an Ansari woman. They then brought her near to him and there was a green colored sheet over her. He this time stood opposite her hip And then led the funeral prayer in the same way as he did for the dead man. He thereupon sat down. 
to stop in the report. So another funeral prayer, this time a female. But this time he wasn't standing near the head. He stood towards the hip of the female. And the female was covered with a green cloth. Al-Allah ibn Ziyad thereupon asked, O Abu Hamza, did Rasulullah offer the funeral prayer for the dead, just as you did, using four takbirs, standing opposite the head of a man and the hips of a woman? He said, yes indeed. So what happened? The people found it strange. Because why was he standing near the head of the dead man and standing towards the hips of the dead woman? So when they questioned him, they goes, did you see the Prophet do this? Said Allah He goes, certainly. Because why do you think I'm doing it? So note what's happening. Even in the time of the Sahaba, the Sunnah was becoming strange. So forget about now. People say, you know, brother, this is, you know, this is Sunnah. People were forgetting the Sunnah in the time of the Sahaba. In a similar report, it mentions, Allah then looked at the rest of us and said, learn, learn. This is in Abu Dawood 2-66, Tirmidhi 2-146, Hassan ibn Majah, Ahmad in his Musnad 3-118, Dahawi 1-283, Behaki 4-32, Abu Dawood At-Tayarisi number 2149, and Shaykh al-Bani states Sahih in Aqam al-Jana'is page 139. So when the Tabi'een got the confirmation from Anas, what did he say? He goes, learn, meaning get it into your lives. You've learned this now from the companion. Thus, it is from the sunnah to stand behind the dead man's head and behind the middle of the dead woman's body. So now think about that. An ignorant person would think, well, the main thing is offering funeral prayer. And they'll start talking like this. Because it doesn't matter, does it? These are just little things. And the response to that is, is any sunnah little? <laughs> so we don't need to know the wisdom. There's got to be some great wisdom in why the Prophet did this. Whatever the case, the funeral prayer is to benefit the dead. And what is the easiest way to get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The sunnah. <laughs> so what better thing to do for the dead than to follow the Prophet Maybe just for that Allah will forgive the dead. But now you see funeral prayers, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Bodies outside, the imam's inside. Sometimes they're both outside. Sometimes he's at his foot. Sometimes he's standing in front of him. I'm thinking, what the heck is happening here? <laughs> right? So, note again. <laughs> Confirming further, Samura ibn Jundub, he said, I offered the funeral prayer behind Rasulullah for a woman who had passed away whilst giving birth. And he stood by the middle of the beer. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1246, Sayyid Muslim, number 1602. So a direct text. A sahaba goes, this is what the Prophet did. A woman died when she was giving birth. And when she, when she passed away, the Prophet, he offered the funeral prayer. He was standing in the middle, the middle of the beer, just like Anas taught. Another relevant and pertinent question posed, what if there are numerous dead bodies? Where then are they placed? So this is something that we don't really, not very acquainted with. Why? Because we don't usually have more than one body. But if there are certain times, for example, jihad, then of course, or there's a plague, you can end up with quite a few bodies. 
What is the situation when you've got a number of bodies? In Nasai 1-280, Behaki 4-33, Darakutni number 194, Sheikh Al-Bani authenticates it in Ahkam Al-Jana'is, page 103. Nafi he said, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umr, radiyallahu he led the funeral prayer for nine dead Muslims with the dead males behind him and the dead females in front of him in one row. The funeral prayers of Sayyida Umm Kulthum bint Ali, Umar ibn al-Khattab's wife and a son of hers called Zaid, both were with the bodies. So let's look at this. So this is another Sayyid Hadith. So who's now leading the prayer? Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu and look how strange again. There's a row in front. He's in the middle. And there's a row in the back. The dead males were behind him. So now they're behind the imam. And then the dead females were in front in one row. And who were amongst the dead? Nafi said, the Prophet wasallam's granddaughter, Umm Kulthu, i.e. Fatima's daughter, who was Umar's wife. And his son, Zaid. So there was the granddaughter of the Prophet and whoever was she, she was in the front and there was the great-grandson of the Prophet Zaid who was in the back and Ibn Umar was in the middle. Many people find this manner of offering the funeral prayer strange and they object. But this is not a new matter. Ammar, the freed slave of Al-Harith ibn Nawfal radiyallahu he said, I attended the funeral prayer of Umm Kulthum, the granddaughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and her son Zaid, and the body of the youth was placed behind the imam. I disputed this. Ibn Abbas, Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, Abu Qatada, and Abu Huraira, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, were amongst the people, they said in one voice, this is the sunnah. <laughs> This is in Nasai, Abu Dawood, number 3187, Behaki. Shaykh al states Sahih. In his Sahih, uh, Sunan Abi Dawood, number 2734, and Ahkam al-Jana'is, page 133. So look how strange. When the funeral prayer was had taken place, somebody objected. As if to say, what's this? How many Sahaba responded? Four. Sunnah. You objected to the Sunnah. So now apart from the rulings we take from this, this also is an authentic proof that this was Umar's wife. Because <laughs> some fruitcakes, they don't believe that Ali who gave his daughter to Umar. They don't believe that because uh, no, he didn't, that's just made up. So here's a flawless report recorded in the Sunnah that they both died and it mentions clearly one was the wife of Umar ibn al-Khattab, who was that? Umm Kulthum bint Ali. And it mentions a son of theirs called Zaid. Ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab, who was the great grandson of the Prophet. Thus, if there are males and females, the female bodies are placed in front of the Imam and the males behind the Imam, even if they are young children. So now, why have I mentioned this? Because notice. The people, where were they getting the guidance from? The Sahaba. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you think, what's happening? So who did they turn to? Straight away they turned to the Sahaba. And the blessed, amazing thing is, we do the same. If there's contention, who do we turn to? The Sahaba. But if you're not even bothered about them, 
You're going to go down the lizard's hole as they say. So note guidance turning to the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu he also taught his venerable students to come for the congregational prayer with dignity and short strides if possible. In Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 8, page 176 of the English translation, Thabit al-Bunani, he said, I was once walking with Anas radiyallahu and I began to walk quickly. He took my hand and we thereupon began to walk slowly. When he finished his salah, Anas radiyallahu said, I walked with Zayd ibn Thabit radiyallahu and I was walking quickly upon which he said, O Anas radiyallahu, do you not feel that your footsteps are being written down? I so why the rush and long strides? So let's look at this. So Thabit al-Bunani, I mentioned that he was one of the famous students of Anas. He was the one who was seen praying in his grave. He loves Salah too much. His people saw him praying in the grave. And he would not walk past any masjid without offering the two rakats. And here again, notice what's happening. It's time for Salat and he's rushing because he has that yearning. So Anas grabbed him. So immediately he slowed down with Anas. And he didn't say anything. So think about that. You would have expected immediately Anas to say, why are you rushing? They didn't say nothing to him. They prayed. After the Salat, he told him, he said, I did what you was doing. And Zayd ibn Thabit, he said, do you not feel that your footsteps are being written down? In other words, why are you depriving yourself of the footsteps? Because increasing your footsteps, why are you rushing? Indeed, the blessed Banu <coughs> Salama tribe wanted to move closer to Masjid al-Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa But our beloved messenger informed them, sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Bani Salama, stay where you are and your footsteps will be recorded. Ya Bani Salama, stay where you are and your footsteps will be recorded. This is in Sayyid Muslim, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 8, page 175 to 6 of the English translation. So think about this. Not a man, not a household, an entire tribe wanted to get closer to the Prophet's Masjid. So what does that tell you about the love for Salat? Because we want to move. And where do they want to move to? We want to go near the masjid. And look how amazing the Prophet stopped them. Stay where you are. Because your footsteps are being recorded. Because what are you doing? Because you don't need to come close. In fact, you're better off there. Subhanallah, now the opposite seems to be true. Where the so-called educated Muslims move away to a quieter part of the city. And thus... With it, foolishly move further away from the blessed masjids. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. Think about that. You see Muslims, anything wrong with doing movement? No problem. Go where you want. Then you go, is there a masjid now where you, where you yeah, uh, five miles away. <laughs> so you move from a place where you could walk to a place you need to go into a car to go to the masjid. Yeah. And then what do they say? It won't affect me. And then you say, okay, won't affect you, no problem. Then what happens? Don't see him again. Right? Maybe Jumma, you know, what's that? Oh, he's, he, yeah, he's busy now. He's moved away from the masjid. Where's the, where's the logic in that? People in the past would move closer to the masjid. So what's interesting? Look how Allah Ta'ala works. Most masjids are where the poor Muslims are. That's not a coincidence. 
Allah Ta'ala does that for a reason. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he is not going to deprive the poor. <laughs> but what do educated Muslims do? We're moving out now. This is not a good area. And that's a very problematic statement, especially if you, you're in an area where there's masjids. But of course, he doesn't mean that. But why did you make that statement? This is not a good area, but there's five masjids on this road. How can it not be a good area? Oh, I didn't mean that. What did you mean then? Better greenery, right? You know, where are you going to go? Air pollution is less polluted next to your blogs. Right? And Iman is weak anyway. You know that even when I walk, I miss prayer. If I move into a place where I need to go into a car, I'll be praying at home. Get congregation with family. MashaAllah in front room. Astaghfirullah. In Ibn Sa'ad al-Istabaqat, volume 4, page 154, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 608 of the New English Translation, Zayd ibn Abdullah Shaybani, rahmatullah, they said, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahumah walked so slowly for salat that if an ant were walking beside him, you would say he will not beat the ant. <laughs> so ants are quite quick, you know, some of them, but they're nothing compared to the human being. And this Tabi'een said, I'm telling you, because the son of Umar was, he goes, if you looked at him, you're thinking, what's he doing? And he goes, I would think an ant would beat him. So what was he doing? He was reducing his footsteps. The son of Umar, radiyallahu So now, is this deed precious? Yes. How precious? It's in the Quran. <laughs> but where in the Quran? In Surah Yasin, Surah 36, verse 12. Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, He says, We record that which they sent before them and their traces. We record that which they sent before them and their traces. So that's the verse. Surah 36, verse 12. So what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say with that commentary? That there are two things being recorded. That which you sent before, and the traces. Mujahid explained. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir in their respected tafsils, volume 8, page 175 of the English translation, he recited, Ma qaddamu, that which they sent before them means their good deeds. Wa atharahum means their footsteps. So what's strange about that? Isn't or aren't your footsteps good a good deed? Yes, somebody goes walking to the masjid. When I'm walking, is that a good deed if I increase my steps? Yes. So why is Allah Ta'ala separated from good deeds? Ma qaddamu wa atharuhum. Ma qaddamu means your deeds. Allah Ta'ala is recording your deeds. But then he says, wa atharuhum. And he's recording your traces. And Mujahid said that means your footsteps. So what does that mean? Note that one's footsteps are certainly recorded as one's good deeds. However, they are mentioned separately in the sacred verse indicating its virtue. For instance, what is, you know, how many times is Allah, there's a verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we have revealed to you the Quran and the seven oft-repeated verses. 
So Allah Ta'ala mentions the Quran and He goes, I've also revealed to you through the seven oft-repeated verses. That's Fatiha, according to the dominant opinion. But isn't Fatiha part of the Quran? So why is Allah Ta'ala saying, I've revealed to the, you to the Quran and Fatiha? So the scholars say, because Fatiha is special. It's a special part of the Quran. So what is Allah Ta'ala telling you in Surah Yasin, which people recite? That's, that's the Uda Hawla. They don't study it. You know, one of the signs of Kiamat, they open the Quran, they don't study it. <laughs> which we discussed. A lot of people like that, I haven't got a clue, right? And he goes, Is this what you are Is it? We're recording your deeds and your footsteps. What's that in reference to? Walking to the masjid. With regards to the humble steps we take towards the glorious houses of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Tabaran, every step going to the masjid saves one from the tribulation of the grave. Every step going to the masjid saves one from the tribulation of the grave. Now think about that. If a person asks, what protects you from the punishment of the grave? So people mention correctly, Surah Mulk, Mashallah, Surah Al-Qahf, Mashallah, Surah Sajda, Mashallah. Which one of us would say, walk into the masjid? <laughs> Even sounds strange. What's that, brother? Yeah, walk into the masjid. Footsteps. But in a more detailed report, the Prophet clarified, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Tabarani Hassan, Targheem number 5225, Abu Hurairah, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, يُؤْتَيْ الرَّجُلُ فِي قَبْرِهِ فَإِذَا أُتِيَ مِنْ كِبَلِ رَأْسِهِ دَفَأَتْخُ تِلَاوَةَ الْقُرْآنِ When one is buried in the grave, the angels والسلام, come to torture from the head side, but the recital of the Qur'an wards them away. وَإِذَا أُتِيَ مِنْ قِبَلِ يَدَيْهِ دَفَأَتْخُ الصَّدَقَةُ then when they come from the front side, Sadaqa protects them from that direction. وَإِذَا أُتِيَ مِنْ قِبَلِ رِجْلَيْهِ دَفَأَتْخُ مَشْيُحُ إِلَى الْمَسَاجِدِ Then when they come from the side of the feet, he steps to the masjid, come to the rescue. So now what do you notice what's happening in the grave? Allah is telling you that there's a currency in the grave. You need currency in the grave. What does that mean? It means you need money to help you. Mm-hmm. But what is the currency? Good deeds. <laughs> so now think about that. People sacrifice good deeds for money. Mm-hmm. That makes me laugh. Right? He's thinking, hang on a minute. What? Oh no, brother. You got to pay bills, ain't mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, that's what you like. You got to pay bills, but you miss a lot. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. What about blackout people are saying now? He goes, oh, you know, if you, you know, turn it off at five and six, I don't know about that, brother. Do you pray Fajr, right? Five and six, you know, getting up, you know, what's Allah about? You're missing Fajr. So the currency in the grave is good deeds. We don't need to work out what the currency is. What are the deeds that will work in the grave? One is the recital of the Quran. So when you recite the Quran, it protects you from the head side. The other is um, Sadaqah. It protects you from the front side. And what protects you from your feet? Walking to the masjid. Explaining. He's protecting you when you are walking to the masjid in the grave from the feet. Another flawless report in Nasai ibn Majah ibn Hiban. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states sahih. 
in As-Sahihah number 1309, he mentions that Salah and the Quran protects you from the head. Fasting protects you from the right. Zakat protects you from the left. And four things protect you from the feet. Sadaqah, supplication, walking to Salat, and doing good to people. Subhanallah. So let's briefly look at this. These are priceless deeds. So some of them are obligatory. You've got no choice. Mm. For instance, zakat is obligatory. If you have to pay, you pay, but that will protect you from the left side. Fasting, if it's referring to the month of Ramadan, from your right side, salat from your head. The recital of the Quran as well. Both from your feet, they're not farad. One is sadaqah. Dua. Think about that. When you're making dua, that deed protects you from the tribulation of the grave from your feet. So next time you feel a bit weak in making dua, remember the grave. Walking to Salat is mentioned again. Sayyid Hadith. And doing good to people. I just helping them, smiling, made them, them feel happy, fulfilling their needs. Allahu Akbar. Thus the more one walks towards the glorious houses of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to offer the congregational prayers then the more one secures one's protection from one's inevitable stay in the grave. So think about it. It's an investment. Keep walking, keep walking. Every time you walk to the masjid, think of the grave. I'm investing for my grave. This is my pension plan, which definitely will come to fruition. So but these pension plans, guy does a leg and next minute, you, you know, catches on the you know, floor, what's happened, right? 30 years pension gone down there. Mr. Maxwell, you know, he's you know, studying, right? So, again, in the grave, so note, when you're walking, what did Anas say to Thabit Bunani? Why are you rushing? They just gave you the answer. Why are you rushing? <laughs> so now, what about transport? So, there was a companion, and it's in the Sayyid, and he lived a, a, quite a distance from Masjid al-Nabi, but he came for every prayer. So one companion, I can't remember, I think it was Obey ibn Ka'ab, he felt pity for him. So he said to him, he goes, I'll give you this donkey or this mule. And he goes, it'll make it easy for you to travel during the heat. He goes, takes the burden off you. So the other companion, he said a few choice words to him. That's what the hadith says. I don't know what he said, but like we say, thanks but no thanks. So, Obey got a bit upset. He thinking, hang on a minute, why is he getting upset with me for? You know, trying to do a good deed. And so then he approaches the Prophet, tells him what happened. The Prophet calls the other Sahaba, and he goes, Why did you say this to your brother? So that companion said, Ya Rasulullah, didn't you say that your footsteps are recorded? He goes, Yes. He goes, He's trying to deprive me. So the Prophet said, Yes, you did right. <laughs> so this is a very interesting report. Why? Because it indicates if you come on transport, you may not get the reward. <laughs> but if you look at the wording critically, the Prophet didn't say that. All he confirmed was that walking is superior. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> However, going to the masjid, you could argue, well, what about the fuel that you're using? <laughs> What about the money that you're spending on the transport? Surely Allah will take that into consideration. You're right. But if you look at the text, walking is mentioned. And also another uh, tip is people walk. 
So you can walk, mashallah, but why don't you just walk to the masjid? <laughs> That'll cover the mileage. And at the same time, you're covering your, your virtues. <laughs> Some masjids are a little bit further than others. So just walk to those masjids and cover your walking, mashallah. At the same time, kill two birds in one stone. <laughs> so note Anas. What do we notice? His love for Salat was immense. And if he saw people <laughs> maybe going astray somewhat, he would put them back on track. The <laughs> Are there any questions you want to ask? Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallahumma, bihamdika, ashwala ilaha illa anta astafurika, atubu alayka, wa fibillahi minashi ta'anjim, subhanahu rabbika, rabbil izzati, amma isifun, wa salamu ala al-mursaleen, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, bismillahi rahmanir rahim, wa al-asr, in insan lafiyu khusr, al-ladhina amilu, wa 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 amilu, w